What's up, guys? It's Trey Johnson with episode one of Swimming with Sharks. We have the originator of 8760 on today's episode. So tune in and welcome to Shark Nation. Here with Gaines, Gaines McCullough. Over the past 10 years, collected over $400 million in, um, in pest control. So one of the OGs um, started in 2007. So we really wanted to get on here and um, hear from you just what is EcoShield in your head? So EcoShield is, it's a lot of things, I guess. It, it becomes, uh, means a lot to an entrepreneur, as you guys know, but it's been our baby for uh, the past 16 years. And what it's really come to represent in our mind, it's our vehicle where we really focus on adding value to people's lives. And you kind of look at different divisions, you know, what value can we add to customers? What value can we add to employees? What value can you add to communities? What value can you add to your people? And that's kind of what we really get obsessed with is the, the value that we're transferring from uh, the resources that we have into other people's lives. So, and we happen to do it in pest control uh, and residential services and uh, we always like to laugh about, you know, how we all ended up killing bugs of all <laughs> things. But I think if you talk to anybody, you know, you have the Elon Musks of the world, right, who are space race and electric cars, which is unbelievably sexy and cool. But even if you look at a guy like Jeff Bezos, he's in shipping. Yeah. I mean, cardboard boxes and, and masking tape, you know, and, and semis, and there's nothing inherently cool or amazing but you look at the value that his company adds to the world it's pretty unbelievable and so uh, we always like to say that uh, if you're a smart person in pest control uh, you you have a long runway because pest control is going to be around mm -hmm. forever everyone has bugs everyone hates bugs and uh, we happen to keep them out of your home and your business so uh, EcoShield is kind of our, our vehicle for us to really accomplish a lot of the things that we uh, want to do on an intrinsic level with our lives. Mm -hmm. Well, and, that, and you kind of answered this next question with your with your answer there, but um, at the end of the day, with the model we have, you know, why pest control? Why do it through pest control instead of um, maybe, in your case, uh, learning a little bit about the industry, learning how to sell, and then going and um, using this model in another industry? Yeah, what we love about pest control, well, a lot of our guys do that, right? They'll come and learn mm -hmm. a skill set here, and our, our vision statement is to propel you to the next level of your life. And the reality is a lot of guys who come and learn to sell and manage with us end up in different careers. And we love that, you know, as long as uh, they are, are finding happiness in, in what they do. I think there's something to be said in the door-to-door -door industry about consistency. And there's just not a lot of consistency. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a, a really long track record for a company might be three to five years. Right. You know, because uh, the old model and it still pervades most of the industry is you want to build up a clientele and then have an exit as an entrepreneur. One of the big guys. Exactly. Yeah. You, you sell off to one of the big guys and, uh, and then some guys restart or they'll pivot into another career. We're a little different because we used to do that and that was our way to, uh, to acquire capital, to mm -hmm. fund the growth that we're now having. Uh, you know, cash is always the most uh, seemingly finite resource for a, <laughs> for a business. And so, uh, but now that we're no longer in a cash uh, you know, where we need cash, position where we need cash outside coming in. You know, we love the, the longevity that we have. You know, we've been working together as a group for 16 years, 
And I think there's maybe one or two other companies uh, in the door-to-door space that can claim the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Vivint being one, and then everybody else is... Just as far as longevity? As far as longevity, okay. yeah. And the other thing we love about pest control is that uh, we're believers that everything compounds over time, mm-hmm. as long as you're on the same path over time. And so my efforts in pest control don't compound to solar or to home automation or if I were to go do something else because that's a trajectory shift. I'm, it's like taking all your money out of stocks and putting it all in crypto. Well, if you do that, like you're no longer compounding in the stock market, you're in you know, you're a cryptocurrency exchange at that point, and you can experience compounding there, but you're reverting back, resetting to a zero. Resetting, yeah. And so for us, you know, we, we love pest control because uh, it's just such a, a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all, when you sell anything, there's, there's wants and needs, you know, and uh, just, you know, at my house, I think my wife's favorite service she has on the home is is pest control <laughs> because she hates bugs, right, legitimately right. Exactly. hates them. And a lot of the door-to-door guys, typically it's a pretty male-driven, young, you know, uh, demographic that are actually knocking doors. But if you actually get to know your customers, they're generally moms and they're, there's kids running around. Mm-hmm. And so keeping bugs out of the house is great. Uh, 2020 was revelatory for us because a lot of people have come into pest control and then left for something else. And... You know, when the economy shut down for COVID, you know, a lot of businesses went under and a lot of businesses, even if they survived, they struggled. Meanwhile, pest control, 2020 was its best year ever because people were home more. Mm -hmm. And so they noticed the bug activity they did have. And so demand was never, uh, had never been higher than 2020. And, you know, we're an essential uh, service definition defined by the, the government which means that we'll we'll keep on moving forward regardless of what happens in the economy and with pandemics and anything else so my um but just out of curiosity you know from you seeing it kind of from a a bigger angle than you know a lot of other guys are able to see it what would you say is the biggest reason for the growth that we've had even even since i started with the company because i think my first year there you know our, our revenue was in the 40s as far and now we're you know well obviously well over that what do you think um you know the the biggest reason for that is do you think it's compounding or do you think it's just what i'll let you answer yeah probably my mustache is okay. really what has carried <laughs> us go. to that level uh no it's I, I think we've just done a good job of uh over the past 16 years we've had a vision mm-hmm. and visions just take a long time to accomplish you know i, I know you guys and a lot of your listeners are Kobe fans, you know, and when you look in the rear of your mirror and look at, at Kobe's legacy, you see a 60-point final game and the five championships and retiring two jerseys. But, you know, his rookie season, he had five air balls in the, in the deciding play- in game. The playoffs, in the playoffs, yeah. And, uh, but he had a vision, and, and he worked relentlessly towards that vision, and I think that's what has driven our success is our vision's never wavered. You know, we've always wanted to be a company that really develops their people, a company that stands for something and a company that's just not profit centric. You know, we we gave up a long time ago of just wanting to build up and sell off because we realized how much fun we were having with this and how much this company means to us, how much our people mean to us. And so, but what's also interesting to look at just from just from a numbers perspective is our growth ratios really aren't that different over the years. We've grown pretty consistently 50 to 60% year-over-year growth. The difference is, is when you're a $10 million company, you go from 10 to 15, while that's a 50% jump, it doesn't seem outrageous. Yeah. 
But when you're, you know, at 150, you know, you go to 225, then it's, it, it does seem outrageous, you know? And, uh, so, and then what's fueled that, those bigger numbers is undoubtedly, it's been our commitment to developing management, you know, and I think that's one of our hallmarks. And I think everyone does lip service that they'll have some sort of management training. And I'm just not real plugged into what other companies are doing on that level. Sales reps publish everything that happens, you know, so you know what every company's selling. But then what what training is actually transpiring for leadership and for management? I do know that we invest millions and millions of dollars annually to to develop our sales managers. And, you know, you guys are part of the MDP and instrumental there. And You've seen that, so I, I think that's what has enabled us to really skyrocket. Like How many years ago did MDP start? What's that? How many years ago did you guys start? Our first MDP was September, uh, sorry, August of 2015. 2015. So we're, okay. we're moving into six, six years. years yeah. And uh, the culture there is pretty incredible. I would say all culture takes like five years to, to develop because you have to have winners and losers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be able to tweak things and grow and evolve. And then ultimately, you need good players. Mm-hmm. You know, and over the years, like, it, I just laugh almost every day at how blessed we are to work with the people that we work with, yourselves included. Like, we yeah. just have really, really talented people from all over the country. It used to be door-to-door really was centralized in Utah and Idaho for a long time, and that's just really not the case anymore. And We're right. able to access talent networks outside of kind of those hubs, and that's been transformative and evolutionary for us. So our managers are really, really well-developed, really well-trained, and that enables them to take care of rookies. And if you want explosive growth, take care of your guys, specifically rookies, uh, because they're stepping into a a crazy world, you know, that first summer. And so if you have good mentors there to help them through that process, then I think you'll get good results. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, pest control, you know, we believe is the best place to be or or we wouldn't be here. But, you know, there's so many different spots. You know, people are being recruited from all different types of companies. Why EcoShield? Yeah, I think so. I think guys can find success wherever they go, you know. And the, the principles that will lead to a successful career, uh, they're pretty universal, even outside of sales, right? Like any anything you step into. I think what EcoShield is uniquely uh, positioned to offer people is our management development program. Uh, I think... Sales guys are by nature very competitive, and so they want to work with the best, generally because they want to see if they are the best. You know, if you think you're a physical specimen and a warrior, you know, you don't go join, you know, the National Guard. You know, you you want to go be a SEAL, yeah. you know. Uh, and so, and, and I'm not saying we're, you know, on that level by any means, but I, I think that when you look uh, objectively at, at statistics, what our reps produce compared to others I don't know of anyone that beats us. Maybe there is someone out there that does. Uh, we, we really are not that concerned with what they produce because we know what we produce, and we know it's growing. We know it's evolving. It's getting better, and we're really proud of what we do. I think when you uh, – uh, one of the fundamental questions, if someone's shopping companies, like should I do EcoShield or something else, a lot of it is, you know, what do you want to do and who do you want to be? 100%. And then if you can find – good mentors at EcoShield that embody those two things, then, you know, we're, we're not a leap of faith for people because we've been around forever. A lot of the people we're competing with right now for sales talent in that recruiting market, a lot of it's solar, as you guys, you know, know. And that's actually the, the big one. It's either solar pest control. That's where most of the door-to-door right. exactly. hustle is. And that 
that hasn't always been the case. You know, home automation and alarms used to be the behemoth. Uh, and then, you know, for a long time, AT&T and Dish One. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, cable TV was big. And for a while, like, T-Mobile and AT&T was, was really big. So there's been a lot of things. You know, door-to-door sales goes back probably 150 years to the right. carpet baggers of the 1800s. <laughs> you know, it's been around for a long time. Uh, so if, if someone is out there like, hey, why eco should I think it's because we have the track record, we have numbers, and uh, those are, I think, logical supports. But really the intrinsic is just look at our people who have been with us for five years and look at the evolution they've gone through and ask yourself, is that an evolution that I want to go through? Mm-hmm. And if it is, I think that we have a good system to help uh, people get from where they are to, to really where they want to be. And the, the final thing I would say is I think that one of our unique competitive advantages is our humility. You know, I think uh, it, it's always so funny to me to watch, you know, podcasts with some of the competitors in our space. Mm-hmm. And the number one <laughs> word they use more than anything else is best. Right. Yeah. And my natural, I'm, I'm legally trained, and so my natural reaction is I want to press on that, and mm-hmm. I want to say, what metrics are you looking at? Right. Show me what your time numbers. Period? Yeah, like let's, let's see if that's actually true. Because uh, it might be, but sure, yeah. You know what? What are you looking at to say you're the best? And so that you'll never hear me say EcoShield's the best because it's, I mean, it's ambiguous to say that. You have to really focus in on a certain metric, and then you have to be able to to prove that. And so I'll never say that we're the best, but I, I will say that we have a lot of things going for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other nice thing with pest control, just to be a little bit more specific to the answer, is that. Uh, a lot of these other sales that you can do on the doors are very involved and becomes more of a customer relationship management process. Mm-hmm. Solar in particular, you know, by the time they sign a contract, that's almost step one, you know. <laughs> and what people love about what people love about door to door generally is that it's it's the rawest form of sales. You're cold contacting on the doors, face to face at their home, and you build a tremendous skill set because of that environment you might pitch 50 to 100 people a day so your skill set evolves at a very quick rate and if you're doing more customer relationship management you're not really selling nearly as much you're maintaining and that's another you know worthwhile skill set but i think what a lot of pest guys have experienced when they've gone to solar is they miss the the, the quick sale on mm-hmm. a doorstep they miss the 10 minute transaction uh, and they miss having a little bit of control. You know, we try to same day all of our services. And so if you sell it, generally you're getting paid on it. Yeah. Almost always. Right. You know, and I think in solar they call it your pull-through rate. So if you, you know, get 100 contracts signed, how many are actually getting installed where you actually get paid? And the numbers I've heard tossed around are 50 to 60%. Mm-hmm. And for us bug boys, That's you know, crazy. that kind of pull-through rate, I mean, you would never do that job, you know. And so right. there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I think pest control people like that it's – People have bugs, and you can see them on the doorstep. Show it, so it's show and tell. There's always market demand there, and it's uh, it's it's a great value for the people that are that are buying it. Right. And I know you talked about MDP, United Management Development Program. Um, the number one thing I think I take out of it is the fact that we do so many of the little things right. You know, can you expand on you know why you came up with the book club? You know, the transformation challenge. How long that's been going, and you know how you think that's you know impacting the culture. Yeah. Even even how you guys have tweaked it over over the years. Yeah, it's uh, it's still a work in progress. So a lot more tweaks coming. Uh, so we started the transformation challenge nine years ago, and 
candidly, that's just because we were meatheads back then. And we were like, you know, hey, like we like working out and uh, we wanted to compete against one another. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was maybe, I think the first year we did it, there was maybe 15 of us or so who finished the challenge, you know, a very small group. Uh, that was back in like 2012 or something. And then, you know, over the years we have, now we have hundreds of people that maybe even close to a thousand people because our operations teams will get involved as well. And, uh, you know, there's that saying that you guys have heard, you know, a, uh, a healthy man wants 10,000 things, but an unhealthy man only wants one, which is to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So we've just used it as such a fundamental building block. You know, we've found that people who are uh, physically fit and then intellectually engaged in learning, you know, they're pretty evolved and they can do amazing things. So that's Transformation Challenge. The other little things, you know, with book club, uh, it's just crazy you know, the average American reads less than a book a year. Yeah. And uh, I, th- I think there's a lot of things wrong with that. Uh, just the chaos that surrounds like social media, you know, a lot of times it's around politics, but really there's just a lot of noise around any subject matter. And I think people have lost the ability to just be still and to think and process intellectually and think for themselves. You know, if, uh, if you're super gassed up on a super position, you know, a certain position, Rather than researching, you're going to go listen to your favorite talking head who is incentivized to, to lead and mm-hmm. direct you a certain way rather than you actually thinking for yourself. I've always been a voracious reader. I get that from my mom. She's you know has like seven degrees and has always you know loved to learn, and she passed that on to us. And you know I think it's really cool that we have a culture now of a bunch of high-producing, high-performing people who love to read. And so we started off with one book a month. Now we do two to three books a month. And, you know, participation used to be in the low, like 20%, you know, and now I think uh, probably 70 to 80% of our, our people are reading at least a book a month, which is 12 books a year. Right, you know? right. It's so funny how often we'll hear, man, I haven't read a book since like elementary school, you know, and now I'm reading <laughs> like a book bragging. a month. Like it's bragging. Yeah, exactly. And so, and it really, you can tell culture is stuck when guys start posting about the little things, you know, where they think it's publicly recognizable Hey, I just finished these this book. This was my takeaway, and so uh, then the other things that we try to do is just a good morning routine um, in our space in the door to door space. It's very common for guys to make a bunch of money, and then kind of become strictly consumers and not producers for mm-hmm. eight months. They kind of stick their head in the sand. They'll go spend some money, have some fun trips, you know, which probably culture gives them some. If they're going international, some cultural experiences sure. which are important, but it's just painful to see young people you know, if they work hard over the summer to disappear for eight months because they build up all that mo- momentum and then they just, you know, lose everything. Mm-hmm. And so... It's like the compounding you talk about, you know, staying in the pest control route. Like yeah. if you did pest control for four years and then just drop, you know, for eight, you're, you know, like you're not going to be able to grow with it. Totally. You might even go back to close to zero, <laughs> you know, because that's that's a, a, long, a long gap. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think just our our process is we really are focused on on people becoming the best version of themselves and you have to ask a lot i mean you you should have seen the eyes roll in the back of the heads when i rolled out we're doing a book club for the first time you know (laughs) it's like hey you kidding me man like where's the fast cars cool clothes and you know trips to cancun and uh but it's it's you know we've done it for so i think we're in our 10th year or so of of book club Mm mm-hmm Actually, uh, one of our graphic designers gave us a uh, like a composite of all the books that we've done, 
just over like the past, I think the past five years. And uh, it's been cool because it was like 150 books, mm-hmm. you know, that that we've read. And when you look at them all archived, and, and we don't just focus on sales related. Actually, very mm-hmm. few of our books, maybe 5% of our books are yeah. sales centric. Yeah. Right. And so it's fun to see people really, especially young people, like young people need good mentors. And uh, the best place to find a good mentor is in a book because you can learn, you know, from the best in the world on how to do anything you want to do by reading. So, but, uh, but yeah, that is the, the key to our success is the, the little things. On, on the book club, what's your favorite book of the 10 years you guys have been doing it? If you could, if you could, uh, if you could pick one. Yeah. Uh, can I give you a few? Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> I'll just fire from the hip. So the, the one, there's only one person who finished it. It was called Atlas Shrugged. And uh, it was written, I think, in the 20s or 30s. Uh, but it's the most impactful, non-scriptural book I've ever read in my life. Um, because it really focuses on, you know, you're responsible for your own production. You know, even when we participate on teams and in companies, no one's going to come save you. Like, it's up to you to do the work. And in the book, it applies it to, you know, full global scale where everyone started relying on someone else to do the work for them, uh, just kind of freeloader type syndrome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the book really helped me realize that the production you give to the world is there's almost no better way to add value than how you produce. The reason no one really read it is because like 800 pages long. (laughs) It's a beast. It's a beast. Uh, But it changed how I thought about money. It changed how I thought about you know, am I really working hard? I think I read it in uh, 2009, uh, and it, it was transformative. It was actually uh, during my uh, highest producing summer was, uh, I was reading that book. Um, other ones that I think have been amazing, uh, Miracle Morning was really pivotal for us as an organization. I actually don't like the book, but I love the formula mm-hmm. in, okay. in the book, and that one's been good. And then I think a lot of our guys will latch on to certain biographies, uh, like Schwarzenegger's Total Recall, yeah. McConaughey's Green Lights. That's what, that's that's what, what Jay was. talked about. Was. Yeah, Jay loves that. I think he read it three times. He said he, he, said he read it back to back, which yeah. I was like, dude, I've never done that before. <laughs> Just like finish a book and start it over. But, yep. um, we, we were talking a little earlier about kind of the future and everything, um, and we've kind of talked about what EcoShield means to you. Where do you see EcoShield in, the next five, er, in five years? I think we're going to be a little bit better than we are today. Sure. You know, sure. Uh, it, it's really fun to get to a point. So there's two sides of it. You know, we have our sales side, then we have our operations side. Mm-hmm. We're at a, a scale now where uh, the ownership group realizes that we don't have the skill set to do all the things we need to do operationally. So we've entered a really cool era three years ago where we've gone out and started hiring experts at different things. And when, you know, when you're servicing hundreds of thousands of people's homes every year, just things like your fleet, you've know, got a thousand trucks rumbling around. <laughs> we just ordered 920 more. And so you need like an expert fleet guy that not someone that's learning on the fly, but someone that's actually been there, done that to, to handle that. Same thing with like our, our CFO, you know, he specializes in taking companies from 50 million to 250 million. He came on three years ago and his skill set is completely different than anything that Doug or Greg or Jay or myself, like anyone had. And so that's really fun on the operations side. And it's fun to see people come from other companies and step into EcoShield. And the the number one thing they always say that's unique about us is that we're a family. They love that because that's Mm -hmm. not really the case with a lot of big companies that 
it's a more of a corporate feel, and uh, we're really intentional about maintaining family feel for our people. And so five years from now, I think that we will be uh, really regarded by the Terminexes, the ser- so ServiceMaster Terminex, Rollins and Orkin, Massey, all the big brands as a premier service provider. Door-to-door companies always like to say, oh, yeah, we're the best, you know, sure. at, at servicing homes. <laughs> yeah. And maybe they are. I, I don't think they are because they've been doing it for a year compared to Rollins, mm-hmm. who's been around since 1901, you know. And so mm-hmm. I'd put my money that Rollins is probably better 120 years in than a couple of sales guys who bought a truck, you know, and out spraying their own homes, you know, right. we're the best. So I think we really will be world-class uh, on the service delivery side. On the sales side, I just expect more of the same. You know, I expect us to be, you know, right now we're in uh, about 25 markets. I think we'll be in 75 markets, you know, five years from now. And I think that, you know, our sales program will hopefully still be kind of the role model for all these other upstart programs. Yeah, It's kind of flattering to see, like, if you're on, you know, social media and you jump around to all the different companies' pages, a lot of the things that we've done for a long time, they mirror and they're starting to do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what's interesting about that is, is I don't think we've had tr- any like truly innovative idea, you know, sure. yeah. transformation challenge that's, that's been going on for 50 years. You know, book clubs have probably been going on for a thousand, that thousand years, well, probably 500 years since the printing press. Uh, and so we're not doing anything super novel, but it's, it's different. A great, great idea is there a dime a dozen, right? Can you execute on those? And can you develop that culture? And so um, all the people that we, you know, compete with, you know, I wish them well. And we like to say that, you know, if you start a book club and a transformation challenge today in an MDP, you're six to 10 years behind us. Yeah. And it's going to be amazing for you guys. Like, you know, like, good luck. Like, you know, can you stick it out for the next six to 10 years? But I, I, I think that we will continue to add more services that we offer customers, you know, because we're obsessed with value add to our customers. Yeah. So what else can we add to our customers? What other service lines do they need or could benefit from? And I think our, our door-to-door teams will benefit from that as well. Yeah. I think we'll have a few hundred business owners in the ranks, you know, guys that have qualified to become partners with us. And, uh, you know, I, I think we'll wake up tomorrow and be five years down the road and you guys will probably be married with kids, you know, and uh, <laughs> just doing big things. And so a lot, lot, lot changes in five years. Kind of a kind of a wild card question for you as we kind of close down. Um, we just got finished uh, reading Legacy in our book club. If there were to be a, a book written about EcoShield as a whole, as a team, um, as a vessel to get to, you know, your goals in life, whether it's pest control or whatever, um, what would you uh, what would you want that book to mostly? What would you want the main message to be? And um, also, what do you think? As if it, if EcoShield kind of vanished right now, what do you think um, our quote unquote legacy as far as the just sales in general would be? Dang, that's an amazing question. Uh, I think our legacy is just that we care about our people. Like it, it really is, and you'll never find a company that says, "Yeah, we don't really like our people. Like they're not that. Yeah, we don't. They're just numbers, you know, cogs in a machine." <laughs> but I think if you go talk to our people, I think they'll say that they feel valued. I think they'll say that they have a lot of opportunity at this company. I think they'll say they have very few bottlenecks to their success. I think they'll say there's really no artificial ceiling placed over them, and so they're very ambitious and hungry and motivated. I think. 
you would have people that really have one another's backs. There's not a lot of backbiting in our organization, which is very rare within a sales organization. But I think that's because of how it's set up too. Like you can't backbite somebody if they have better numbers than you or something like that. In that yeah. case, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Numbers are numbers. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the, the second part would be, is that what you want the main message to be? Or is there something that you're specifically working on over the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years or however long um, that you really want us to be known for in, you know, in a uh, in hundred years? I think we have this theme that is uh, kind of evolving, but accountability equals love. It's something that we launched two years ago. Is kind of a mantra based on De La Salle high school football out in California, 151 game win streak. And, you know, top down pressure. So from like a, a boss to like an employee is pretty ineffective a lot of times. You know, you can make it effective, but horizontal pressure really is what, you know, makes culture great. You know, if you're in a locker room, it's not the coach yelling at you, it's your other teammates saying, hey, my guy, like we got to get it going. You know, yeah. we need a little more effort from you. And so I think our our people have really picked up on that. You know, they're really holding one another accountable. And in the recruiting world, you know, sales talent likes to think they call all the shots. And the problem with that is if, if that's true, you have 50 different voices or 100 different voices, depending on how big your team is, calling the shots, and it's pure chaos because everyone wants to call a different shot you know, five basketball players are all running a different play, you know, on the court, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a little, it's going to be one-on-one basketball, you know, right, but yeah. that's it. And uh, you never win championships doing that. And so it's fun to see our our teams really start to, uh, they're willing to, to step and say, hey, Dylan, I know you didn't read the books last month. We need you to, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we, we need that from our, our leadership because that's really where growth happens. You know, if, if you want to grow, you have to, have your plan and then you have to work towards it and you need some guardrails to check you when you get off course every single person's the same way so that accountability equals love i think all the other stuff we stand for will always be there we we believe in propelling you to the next level of your life we always talk about vision progress mm-hmm. equals happiness we talk about service before self it's not about what you get it's about what you give that really brings happiness so some of those things that we really those mantras or kind of uh uh, catchphrases and principles that we believe in, I think we'll hopefully still be there. Yeah. And and with that, I, I know me and Dylan, we're lucky, you know, to have a mentor like you, like Jay, you know, like a lot of guys that have already been in the industry 10 plus years, you know, who, who were your mentors? You know, who do you think helped influence you to where you are today? Yeah. Another really good question. I had two mentors within the industry and two mentors outside of the industry and this is after i was a professional i'm super blessed to have amazing parents that Mm -hmm. you know gave me you know all the fundamentals you know someone could ever ask for to set them up for success and it wasn't money like we grew up very humbly you know i grew up in a small town in new Mm -hmm. mexico Mm -hmm. i know you guys are small town guys and uh you learn a lot of stuff on a farm you know and so that was kind of my my upbringing but once i became a professional so doug and greg who are you know part of the uh the ownership group here they, what it was always amazing to me, so when I was going through law school, they were trying to convince me to partner up with them and, you know, do bugs. And it's like, okay, do I go do Wall Street and, you know, go become a sports agent, be a hotshot lawyer, or do I go kill bugs? And truly the reason I decided to come the pest control route at that time was because I looked at Doug and Greg, I saw all the professional success that they had had, which was incredible, but they were the best dads and the mm-hmm. best husbands and best 
people that you know I'd ever been around professionally mm-hmm. and I was like dang you know I, I want that balance because I want to be able to work 60 80 90 hours you know a week when the job demands it but I also want my family to be taken care of and you know I want to be a, I do want to be a present dad I do want to be you know there for my wife and do all those things I do want to be involved with my community and so those two guys have always helped balance me I'm a bit of a workaholic I just love the grind mm-hmm. And they're the ones, like, if they're walking out of here on a Friday night at 7 o'clock, they'll say, hey, stop working, go home. Like, go go be right. with your family, yeah. go do that. And they've encouraged me that. When I was a single guy, they'd say, hey, get out of the office, go on a date, like, go go find your girl, you, you know. and uh, Help balancing you. Exactly. And, and if you're not balanced, you can, you can have success for a season, uh, but I don't think you'll ever really have joy, you know, long term. You need that balance. Cool. Thank you for hopping on. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. You guys are epic.